0: A viral video of Matt Chandler came out this week with him addressing deconstruction. We're going to address that. On this video, I'm going to give you my personal journey with deconstruction. I'm going to give you guys a vulnerable story where I've actually impacted someone in a negative way, possibly towards their deconstruction. And I'm going to give you guys a passage from the Gospel of Luke to glue this entire thing together. But before we get into that, guys, my name is Ruslan. We have a free How to Study the Bible course in the link of this video or at MasterMyDevo.com, giving you more clarity, more context, more consistency for ultimate application and life change. So if you want to do that, make sure you can sign up for that in the description below. All right, let's jump into this Matt Chandler clip, man. This is all over the folks who are, I would call them, my brothers who are going through deconstruction, have gone through deconstruction, maybe they lean a bit more on the progressive Christianity front, are all reacting to this video. And uh, the process of deconstruction is more or less figuring out what parts of your faith need to be deconstructed, taken apart, and which parts are you going to keep. It leads some people, not all, but some people to deconversion. And it really comes out of this place of, this unease with white evangelicalism or the institution of the American church, which we're going to address that as well. Okay, so let's just jump into this video. You and I are in a day and age where deconstruction and the turning away from and leaving the faith has become some sort of sexy thing to do. I contend that if you ever experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, actually that that's really impossible to deconstruct from. Amen. But if all you ever understand Christianity to be is a moral code, then I totally get it. This person said the reductive language here, if you really experienced Jesus, you wouldn't deconstruct, speaks volume. Also Chandler calling deconstruction a sexy fad, as if, we're, as if we all weren't neo-Calvinist in 2011, pot and kettle, Matt. There's also a lot of people upset with Matt Chandler because he refused to go on to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, as well as John Piper refused to go on it. They kind of teased that out on the finale. And as I'm hearing a lot of people share their journeys with deconstruction, what I'm discovering is there's this correlation, not for all, but for most, that deconstruction usually is connected to some form of church hurt someone letting someone down, someone maybe even being abusive verbally, emotionally, spiritually, and there's usually this thread connected, and especially in the podcast The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Clearly there's a lot of church hurt there. And people then saying wow if this person who I held in high esteem if my pastor who I held in high esteem is wrong on the way that they treated me in this area, then goodness gracious, what else could they be wrong about? All right. This is usually in a local church context. However, it's also oftentimes on a grander scale context, meaning that we see so many evangelicals that had some wonky, radicalized political views that overlap with Q and all that sort of thing, right? And people go, whoa, 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 y'all are kind of wild on this stuff. If you're so wrong about this, what else could you be wrong about? And then they start pulling on other threads, sometimes deconstructing the essentials of the faith, the orthodoxy of the faith that has been around for Two thousand years. Okay, when we're, when I'm talking orthodoxy, I'm, I'm talking about those essential close-handed doctrines that all Christians, not just white evangelicals, have held. Right. So there's nothing wrong with deconstructing and saying, "Hey, these are these non-essential things that don't—they're not gospel issues. Can we figure out different ways to engage with fill in a blank politics, spiritual gifts, so on and so forth?" But when you start then easing into these these essential issues is what I would call them, that not just white evangelicals hold, okay? So when we're talking about views like the Trinity, when we're talking about views like what is marriage, when we're talking about views like heaven or hell, when we're talking about these are views that are usually held by the vast majority of the global church, meaning that if you, I grew up Armenian Orthodox, right? There's the Ethiopian Orthodox, the Oriental Orthodox, and by Oriental, that word just means East. It doesn't mean Asian, okay? Some of y'all like, get really weird about that, Uh, Catholic church, Protestantism, right? All these different things tend to align on these like close-handed essentials of the faith. And I think when we start deconstructing our faith to the point where we throw that out, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I think it get problematic. And so when I hear Matt Chandler say that, I go, okay, well, this doesn't sound that crazy if you've experienced the grace of Jesus, if you've experienced the forgiveness, the mercy of God, which is actually what Christianity is about. Remember, that's what makes us different from other religions. It's not about earning your way to God. It's not about living by these specific presets to potentially maybe someday get into heaven. It's saying Kevin has came down to earth and therefore you've been transformed. And usually you will then live different. You will be holy as God is holy. Now, let's talk about my journey with deconstruction. Here's why I think the Lord has preserved me in this area. Some of you guys aren't going to like this. Some of you guys are going to think it's whack for me to say this, but it is what it is. When I got saved, I got saved at a mega church, a mega seeker friendly church. I'm not going to say the name of the church, but it's a church out here in the Vista Oceanside area. I'm in Southern California. And when I got saved uh, fairly early on, I knew because I was kind of going to church casually that I needed to plug into church. And so I I plugged into this church. I got into a small group, which was fire. And then out of that small group, I launched into ministry fairly early on in the process. I was 17 years old, uh, just finished my junior year. High school and I started in ministry, and his name is kind of cringe now. But the ministry is called The Vessel of Hip Hop. Okay, and our big idea was: we're gonna leverage hip-hop, we're gonna leverage art, we're gonna have a DJ. And I was working at Pizza Hut at the time, we were gonna bring all the pizza and bring all the kids that didn't fit in the church together. We we're gonna do an open mic. And then I was going to teach the Bible or someone else was going to teach the Bible. Within a couple months, the ministry grew to about 70, 80, 90 people. It was bigger than a high school ministry. And afterwards, sometimes there would be serious rap battles that would break out in the parking lot. There would be people that would go and have serious like confrontational things. There'd be people there from rival gangs sometimes. There would be some not PG language that was thrown around. Like There was people there that definitely were not walking with Jesus, but they were were more Jesus-curious, and it was in a format that they could relate to. Now, six months into this, they lost a youth pastor, got a youth pastor, lost a youth pastor, got a youth pastor, and finally they got a youth pastor that they thought was going to be more permanent, and he wasn't. So they placed him over the ministry, and within not even a week— we got the call that the senior pastor, the celebrity senior pastor, or he's a celebrity here, got wind of what we were doing in this ministry and felt like it did not fit the vision of his church. So here's this ministry with 80, 90 youth coming together, right? They don't have a church home. We're trying to get them plugged into a church home. And we don't even get a, 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 a final opportunity to meet to say, this is what's happening. We just have to, boom, just shut it down. And and I don't even think we had like an email list at the time. Right. This is pretty foul. So early on at 17 years old, I realized that a lot of these freaking guys are bozos. Okay, and I don't mean that if you're a pastor, I I don't I'm not I'm not trying to be rude or crass, but a lot of these guys are bozos. Okay, they're more connected to whatever the mission and vision is of their church than to being the hands and feet of Jesus to disenfranchise the marginalized groups that the church isn't reaching. I learned that at 17 years old. It was a gut check. I was bummed out. The church was centrally located. And by the grace of God, we had to then change locations. So what happened in God's grace and God's sovereignty? I was already having brothers that were mentoring me that had experienced similar church hurt that had warned me that a lot of pastors are bozos and were there for me. And not only were they there for me, they saw this whole thing happening. And so they were praying for me and praying that we could transplant this ministry to another church, church called the movement, which is where I'm still at. So this very day I've been at the same church for, it'll be 20 years, December of 2022. I've been at the same church this, this this, for this, for this whole time. Right. And so, That ministry got transplanted. They were already praying about it. My mentor, his name was Ared, he was from a group called Future Shock, was a FedEx or UPS delivery driver. He was delivering something at a church, saw the church's name was the movement, had a vision about planning a church called the movement, him and the head pastor hit it off. And before we knew it, we transitioned and we, we transplanted the ministry. We met, I think on the same night, clearly took a hit because now we're going from Vista Oceanside to San Marcos, which is about 15, 20 minutes down the road. A lot of folks who, you know, we just didn't really drive like from Vista Oceanside to to San Marcos. Right. It was, it wasn't a thing we did, but long story short, man, that ministry got transplanted. We were, we were okay. And it grew from there. And at its peak, when we were doing the vessel, I think we moved to Saturday nights. There would be nights where we'd get 150, 200 people. There were people that, till this day, had seeds planted uh, from the very first time they took uh, root of the gospel, was in that ministry. And it was awesome, right? But it was hurtful. It sucked. Now, fast forward. I stayed at that church for 20 years. I was on staff at my church for two years. I experienced more church hurt. OK, the head pastor ended up stepping down because there's some weird things going on with the finances. My buddy, Ah Red had issues with the pastor. Messy church, messy people. This is how most of life works. OK, I hate to break it to you. If you're going to be in a local community of believers, which I recommend all of you are, you should expect that people are going to let you down. All right. And guess what? I've let people down. I've hurt people. Couple years after into transitioning the vessel ministry, we were still meeting, and I remember one. Uh, we 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 were doing these Monday night Bible studies, and we were doing these Thursday uh, vessel gatherings. They were like bigger gatherings, and I remember. There was a brother, this, this buddy of mine that had been going on and off, and he was at the old location. He was one of the guys that was a battle rapper, and this dude was like a big drug dealer. Okay, he was a big drug dealer. It was what it was. These were the type of people that we were like ministering to. I know you guys are like, oh my gosh, Ruslan, How could you reach drug? Yeah, he was a drug dealer, and he was Jesus curious. He was coming to our Monday night Bible study. He was coming to our Thursday Bible study. He was one of those guys around this area. I, I got, I'm friends with a lot of these guys till this day. And surprisingly, a lot of them have went legit now. He was coming to our Bible study. There was another gentleman who was also coming to our Bible study that had been in and out of church his whole life. He was a church kid, very, very, very hyper apostolic Pentecostal. He was very into all the prophetic stuff, but he would always have these spurts where he would be on his emotional highs with God, and then he would disappear for six months. And he was also a good friend. And what happened was that my drug dealer friend and my super apostolic charismatic Christian friend that was coming in and out, my, my friend who was a church kid, got really mad that this drug dealer friend was coming around and being very embraced. Okay. He was being very embraced. He was being very loved by our community. We were preaching the gospel to him. That's just how we rolled that. It is what it is. And so I, like an idiot (laughs) at our vessel ministry, preached the prodigal son sermon. Okay. And in that sermon, more or less, it's kind of subliminally addressed the situation and the brewing tension that was happening. Okay. Guess what? I hurt him in the process okay? That was not okay for me at the time. There's folks like, Dad, yo, you got through some shots at homie. Like, that's messed up. I was like, well, it is what it is. Like, this dude's being a jerk. We're reaching people that are far from God. He's, al- he's already saved. He's already a Christian. What are you tripping about? Why are you acting? The big idea was, why are you acting like the big brother in the prodigal son story? Be excited that your little brothers came home from wilding out, right? <laughs> I share that story to say, listen, like, I've heard people, okay? Most pastors at some point are going to hurt people. You're going to, it's, it's messy friends. It's going to, it's going to be messy. If you're going to be around people, sometimes people are going to hurt your feelings. That's not exclusive to church, right? That's not exclusive to church. Church is different because it carries a spiritual authority. And oftentimes we view people that are really no different than us. And because they have a voice or because they know more scripture or whatever, we then view them different and we give them a different authority in our life. And then when they hurt us, it just hits different. So I'm not trying to minimize anybody that's going through the process of deconstruction. I'm just being honest and real with the process in my own life. Okay. Now let's jump in to a passage that I I think is going to kind of set the, the, the record straight. Okay. For a lot of us, we're going to go to Luke chapter 17. Okay. Luke chapter 17, Luke 17, um, he said, then, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Now this verse right here, in my opinion, I think summarizes a lot of our issues that's going on today. So what Jesus is telling us right here is like, and another word for offense is stumbling block in some of the other translations. I'm reading from the new King James, but what Jesus is saying, listen, disciples, listen, it's impossible that we're going to go through this life in community with each other and we're going to go through this life in the kingdom together and that no offense is going to come. Okay? Luke 17.1 is where we're at. That no offense should come. That's not going to happen. But, Bible teacher, but, church leader, this doesn't take you off the hook. This doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want. Okay? But woe to him, through whom they do come. And then check this out. Verse two, this is this is scary. It would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you. Rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you, seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. This is groundbreaking theology Jesus is dropping on them. He's saying, look, man, life is going to get messy. People are going to get hurt. You're going to offend people. People are going to offend you. However, when you do the offending and you're in a position of authority, it's, it's going to hurt the other person more, and it's going to be a greater responsibility on you. And then he leads us on to forgive. Right? And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And then he goes on, and the apostle said to him, increase our faith. And interesting that they replied to this, right? So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would be obey you. And which of you, having a serpent plowing or tending a sheep, will say to him, he has come in from the field, come at once, and sit at my uh, and sit down to eat. But... Will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drank and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. Okay. so Jesus is saying, look, if you have a if you have a servant and the servant comes in from working a long day, he's going to he's going to tend to his master. Okay, he's going to tend to his master. Right. That is that is his responsibility. Right. Verse nine. Does he does he think that the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what is our duty to do. Okay. so Jesus is saying, look, you are serving me. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, it's going to increase. You're serving me. Your expectations should be to serve me in the same way that a servant serves his master, i.e. focus on Jesus, i.e. focus on the one who is Lord. Don't focus on all these other peripheral things. Don't focus on the person that is going to cause offense because it's inevitable. Focus on me. Focus on faith. Keep a simple, solid, healthy, biblical Christianity. Keep your relationship with God simple, right? And and, and this is this is not easy for a lot of us because we like to overcomplicate things. We like to esteem people with big personalities and massive platforms and think that they're infallible, right? And for those of you guys that are pastors and teachers, we all know this verse. We'll go to James chapter three. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly and we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Here's my my big idea about deconstruction, and I know some of you guys are going to get offended about this. My big idea about deconstruction is, hey, if it's working towards reconstruction, praise God. If it's working towards connecting us to a more simple, clean, biblical faith, praise God. If it's based on people offending you, And people teaching you things that maybe you don't like or maybe culture says is not okay. I think we have to revisit that and say, am I just being offended here because of my own desire or lack of grace or lack of mercy or... Am I actually thinking through some things and being offended by some things that, yes, these things need to change in the church? But we're not going to go through this life without offense. You're not going to get through these hard conversations, whether they're about politics, social issues, race, what have you, without somebody jumping out the window and offending somebody, including people in leadership. So here is my big idea about deconstruction. Here's how I think we could avoid it. And, and, and forgive me if this comes off shallow and forgive me if you think I'm just a, a, a jerk about this. My big idea about deconstruction is this. Lower your expectations of people. Lower your expectations of your leaders. Lower your expectations of those people that are leading your small groups. Lower your expectations of those people that you watch on YouTube. Not to say that we can live lawless and do whatever we want, but to say that most people are on a journey, on a sanctifying process just like you. Most people are going to get it wrong just like you. That does not mean they are without responsibility and that they get a pass and a pardon to spiritually abuse anyone. That means that if we go into church friendships, if we go into mentorship, discipleship, and we just have lowered expectations and have the freedom to disagree and push back. Cause see, cause nobody was gonna tell me that, that, that my wife was a JV Christian cause she didn't pray in tongues. Nobody's gonna tell me that Ruslan, oh, you have some tattoos so you're not really sanctified. Right? No one's gonna tell me like, I'll, I'll check you to your face. I don't care if you're a pastor or not. That's goofy. Right? And so I'm willing and have been willing to disagree with people and have healthy disagreement. Not in a way that's disruptive, not in a way that's not honoring, not in a way that's not loving, but in a way where we, we, people are flawed, man. People are going to drop the ball. People are going to hurt you. And I think a lot of these issues are legitimate issues when it comes to deconstruction or what I would rather call reconstruction. So, my whole faith journey, I've been reconstructing. I went from being uh, in, at a seeker friendly church to being at a more charismatic church. And then the church evolved and became a reformed church. And then we went from being reformed to not being reformed. And we became like a seeker church again. And so, I've been every flavor of denominational whatever. Like, I've. I've been there, and I consistently am reevaluating my own views, and I consistently look at some of these things and be like, oh, man, like what if I'm wrong on this? What if I'm wrong on this, right? But what I don't do is I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. What I don't do is I don't dismiss the fact that, yes, what Matt Chandler said here, if You've experienced the true grace and mercy of God. If you understand that we are all beggars sharing with other beggars the bread that we found. If we grasp that we are not righteous, that we are not good on of our own, that it's Jesus that imparts his righteousness on us, and that it's because of the cross that any of us have access, if we understand that, Regardless on where you are in your sanctification journey, regardless on where you fall politically, you will operate with substantially more humility, substantially more grace and mercy, substantially more just joy because you understand of everything you've been saved from and everything you're being saved to, and that it's not an overnight process, friends, that it's gonna take time. And guess what? People are gonna hurt you. The people oftentimes closest to you hurt you the deepest it is what it is I' I'm, I'm sorry if that just if that's too blunt all right and I'm not saying that sometimes there are definitely situations in churches you need to get the heck out of okay that are abusive that are toxic yes those exist but generally speaking man most pastors that I come into contact with aren't waiting to have their scandals exposed they're not stealing from the collection plate. Most pastors are bivocational. Most pastors are having to deal with serious mental health and all sorts of issues. Most pastors are trying to juggle leading a church while leading their family. Like, most pastors are good people. Most leaders in church genuinely mean well. And life is messy, man. So what if we went back into our local churches and we just extended some grace and we didn't put so much merit in our leaders as if they're somehow closer and more anointed, right? And then we reflected on the priesthood of all believers. That, hey, man, you have the same access to Jesus as I do. Maybe I've just taught the Bible a little longer than you have. I have some more Bible verses memorized, but I don't have any sort of special anointing. I got no no special sauce that you don't I just been doing this longer it's just it's just time under tension as we would call it in strength training so guys hopefully this is helpful to you hopefully this is something that uh will encourage you to extend grace and check your own heart when you're being offended man because pride is usually not all the time but usually at the root of every offense because I have friends there that I've you know, that, that are in that world. And we have disagreements on the definition of marriage and we have disagreements on hell or inerrancy of scripture, but I still, I mean, I still engage in those relationships. So just be mindful of your own, uh, uh, your own, engagement in this, right? One of the things that bummed me out, and again, this is going to catch me some flack. One of the things that bummed me out about this whole rise and fall of Mars Hill thing, I didn't hear a lot of responsibility being taken by the people that participated in this. It was this like, oh, we were mesmerized by a big personality and we all just fell in line. I'm like, fam, the big personality at my church, when he started bugging out, you know what happened? The elders sat him down and made him step down regardless on how big or how great of a communicator he was, right? And it, yes, and that hurt. And thankfully, I was on tour during that, right? But but uh, that's the part where I wrestle with this stuff, man, is, is let's not relinquish responsibility uh, to to not hold people up as some sort of idol, or some sort of anointed priest that's closer to Jesus than you are. So anyway, man, those are my thoughts on this. Forgive me if I went long. Let me know what y'all think. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Yo, thank you so much for making to the end of this video. We have a free three-day challenge for Master YouTube Live. Make sure you check that out or hit one of the links in the, the side of this video to hear my testimony and other videos that you may be interested in. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you guys next time.